This is Andy. And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today. Today, we are looking at the show Blossom. This is season one, episode five. Uh, the title is Sex, Lies, and Teenagers. It's premiered on February 4th, 1991, and was written by Paul Perlove. Yep. You can watch on Amazon Prime for $1.99. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> Let's do a quick Euro what? Yeah. Euro what? Uh, Paul Perlove co-created a show called Leo and Liz in Beverly Hills. Okay. Which I'd never heard of until I looked this up. Never heard Here's of it. The, uh, here is the synopsis. Leo and Liz Green suddenly become wealthy, so decide to join Upper Society in Beverly Hills with their daughter, with their daughter Mitzi. They move next to the snooty Fettersons while employing two daffy types, Leonard and Lucille, as handyman and maid. So it's the Beverly Hillbillies. Pretty much. Ran for six episodes in 1986. Six episodes. Yeah. And co-created by Steve Martin. Really? Yeah, I know. Huh. Real weird. Who had Very nothing weird. other than just co-creating it to do with it. Wow. I wonder if it was based on an idea of his and then Paul Perlove ran it, but they had to give him co-credit. I don't know. Interesting. Anyway, that's you wrote what? You wrote what? You're friends with who? Steve <laughs> Martin. Who else wrote what? Um, <laughs> yeah, so we had such success with the Russell Stover sugar-free bonbons. Last time, mm-hmm. I picked up another variation. These are the strawberry creme flavored. Yeah, it's chocolate with like a strawberry cre- creamy tra- ugh, strawberry center. Mm-hmm. It says our chocolate candies are handcrafted in small batches using copper kettles and kitchen mixers okay. for superior taste right, and quality. Over. Sure. Um, yeah, and they're sweetened with a stevia extract. So let's see. I, let's hope that these are as good as the last ones. Yeah, then clearly handmade by a grandma somewhere. <laughs> in the uh, old country. Old Grandma Stover. these just fine but i'm gonna pretend i didn't like them so that i can say russell stover chocolates i was glad when they were omo almost over oh my god almost over chocolates. these are really good though so. they're really good yeah i think i like the last week's one better um mm-hmm. but i think that's just because like a strawberry centered thing i like less than a chocolate centered thing. yeah the other ones were much better and i don't generally like the creamy strawberry stuff that there's nothing this doesn't exist in any kind of a natural form <laughs> it's like a creamy nougat nonsense yeah um so we're mined off a- of some asteroid somewhere <laughs> <laughs> the asteroid this was mined from definitely orbits eternia mm-hmm, truly. Um. <laughs> but is it orbiting the light moon or the dark moon oh good good question is it a good question <laughs> Um, I'm going to give these a B. I, I was thinking B. It is solid, solid B. Great. Let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. Let's do it. Let's talk about Blossom. We've covered Blossom once before on the show. We covered the pilot back in season one, mm-hmm. Blossom Blossoms. We are now going to talk about four, only four episodes later, uh, season one, yeah. episode five. So the show ran for five seasons, 1991 to 1995, total of 114 episodes. Star Mayim Bialik was only 15 when the show began airing regularly. And it averaged about 12 million viewers per week during its five-season run and briefly turned Maya Bialik into a fashion icon, which, woof, the fashion in this episode is leaves Yo. a lot to be desired. Um, we got a fucking... Yeah, we. I, I generally don't have a lot to say about fashion, but I have a lot to talk about in this episode. Right. Uh, the show aired right after The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on Monday nights, and so it was like that was like a big block yeah. for teen viewers. I dealt with... 
the occasionally serious problems one would expect from a single dad raising a precocious teenage daughter and a recovering drug addict older son and kind of a Dumbo son in the middle. Sure. There was plenty of lightness to cover the dark moments, but there were a lot of very special episodes. It delved into yeah. a lot of big topics. Uh, yeah, this is no different. This isn't as heavy as the one where, like, someone brings a gun to Blossom School, sure. which is an episode. Yep. But it definitely is in the realm of daughter growing up, mom has left the family, dad is only raised boys before this, right. and trying to figure out how to navigate the waters of puberty and sex and all these things right. by himself with this girl. It's a crash course for misunderstandings and also understanding. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Blossom was when we started as a culture going, um, seems like a lot of special episodes. I remember there was an SNL mm-hmm. sketch about like the upcoming lineup for Blossom and it was like next on Blossom, uh, last week on Blossom, the first time she had sex. Next week on Blossom, like the third time she had sex. <laughs> After that, the fourth time. And it's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. It was like, right. I believe there were a lot of episodes of Blossom in the first and second season where she almost has sex. And it's yeah. quite a build up to when she does actually have sex. And then it's just like, where do you go from here? Right. You done it. Yeah. She's, she's done it. So, yeah, it's it's a rough thing to sort of build the entire narrative of the character around. Yeah. So, yeah. But a lot of special episodes in this and a lot of... Uh, I thought the humor in this is still stacking up pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty well written. It's a lot. Uh, the guy that created it was a writer on The Golden Girls, so mm-hmm. you can sort of see that. I think what carries over the most between those two shows is like the humanity of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the jokes are come from human foibles and flaws, and not so much like setup, setup, punchline, or right. mocking of any particular character like mercilessly. A, yeah. And there's there's random moments of satire and nonsense as well. So uh, the ordinary world is that 15-year-old Blossom lives with her hip dad, cool dad Nick, as I call him, and her two older brothers. Her mom has gone to Paris, uh, left the family, and her ditzy best friend, Six, lives next door and is always around. She's kind of a typical bubbly teen. The theme song is the first thing we see. She's dancing around in her room, recording herself on a camcorder, which is such a such a '90s thing. Yes. Yeah. So we get right into Blossom, the original cam girl. Mm -hmm. Right, right, guys. Mm -hmm. Have I misunderstood what cam girls are? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that a special episode? Yeah, I need you to just go watch a couple documentaries and then okay, come back and in my opinionation. Um, Gonna learn a thing or two. <laughs> so now we start off this episode with cool dad Nick and older brother Tony lecturing middle brother Joey for cheating on a history paper. He's clearly bought a old paper on Lincoln, but then it also involves like the paper says something about the Lincoln being the best car. Hilarious. Yeah, and then the guy who sold it to him also sold it to two other people, oh. so he got caught. Joey's grounded. This is yep. this. That's where we're starting right now. Joey is grounded, and uh, it's worth noting. Although I wouldn't think I'd need to note this, it's worth noting the audience has no reaction to him being grounded at this point. Right. The thing is, I thought like, oh, this is just this is worth thinking about more than I thought about it when I watched it. Yeah. Because what it's going to contrast later is the dad's parenting style. Yes. In dealing with an infraction between the brother and the sister, between something that has to do with school and something that has to do with sex. I see where like, you're going. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's a contrast. Yeah, and you're absolutely uh, right. This does have troubling moments. But I just feel like the, uh, the relationship between father and daughter is held up as the interesting thing about this show. It Definitely. is a different thing about it. And I feel like what we're going to start heading towards in this episode is that's not great. Well, like, it's not fair. It's the beginning of the 90s, all the moms are dead epidemic. Yeah. And remember that folks? Yeah. I mean, like I've talked and about it before. The, the mom zombie revolution. Mombies. <laughs> the mombies. <laughs> um, oh man. Why has no one made, made mombies the movie yet? That's a great one. Trademark, um, trademark, trademark. Yeah. That's ours. TMTM. TM. So there's, uh, there's a great article in Cracked, as I've brought up before on the podcast, about like why in the 90s all the sitcom moms were dead and all the dads were raising the kids alone. Yeah. Uh, it has to do with divorce. It has to do with you know, drugs. It has to do with a lot of things that uh, studio execs were sort of working out yeah. uh, on the sound stages of these sitcoms. But I mean, that's, that seems, if you, if you 
picture like a, a 1990s, 80s, 90s TV pitch. You just picture somebody being like, here's the wackiness, but here's why it's relatable. Right. I mean, uh, BoJack Horseman uh, is a, a does a parody of an 80s sitcom where it's a horse raising three orphans. And you can just tell that that's the thing. It's like he doesn't know anything about raising children and it's the, they're orphans and they're precocious and this guy's a right. bachelor. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. But it's spot on. It it's is, it is, and it's it's the weird gender stereotype that is uh, inflammatory on both sides. Yeah. Because it implies that women automatically are nurturing and maternal and know how instinctively to parent, uh-huh. and that men are clueless jerks who don't. And and but so it's is... sort of like, this is more nuanced than the typical well, sort of like pitch. But the idea is that like a dad raising a daughter, weird. Like how on earth will he do it? But. I understand the place that we are in our culture is this is just becoming even an acceptable idea. Man raising daughter, man being the central parent figure is something that the 80s slowly deconstructed via movies like Mr. Mom and Three Men and a Baby. Right. Like late 80s constructs of like, could you even imagine? And then it became such a reality that people were like, yeah, it's fucking happening all the time. Yeah, because of no fault divorce laws in the 70s that came into play. That's when people started being like, oh shit, dads are going to have to raise kids. And so you just get a slew of sitcoms from Punky Brewster to Full House, this show. I mean, everything where the mom is gone. So, cool dad Nick, uh, he's parenting Joey. And so we're supposed to, Joey's grounded, but he's not like flying off the handle. He's, he's cool. He's like, I'm disappointed in you. This is dumb. You got caught, whatever. You're grounded. There's a weird moment of like, I'm going to be violent towards you, which is strange and comes up again, but let's just, let's put a pin in that one. Right. Um, Blossom and Six come home. Yeah. Uh, Blossom is chastising herself after Jason Bickler asked her for the time and she told him what time it she was. She just gave him the time and oh, she's like, Lord. oh, God, why didn't I say something clever? I could have showed him that I'm interested and I think he's hot. And all I did was give him the answer to the question that he asked. I do like this moment. This, this moment, is so real. This moment. Yeah. This this moment in a teenage life is good. There's also one very specific moment that I thought was really clever and understated and done well. She's like, you don't understand. Travis... Travis Bickler, who I believe is taxi driver. Never mind. <laughs> Jason Jason Bickler is so hot. Easy dad. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's, she, it's not even that. It's not even that much of a point. She's just like, I get it. You don't want to hear this, but. But, yeah. Gotta, here's the information. Let's keep moving. Yeah. And then, like, immediately she says, now I have a date. I don't have a date for Saturday night, and Six does. Yeah. And she says something about, like, I'll be popping microwave popcorn. I have to figure out the correct time to pop microwave right. popcorn, which is a ongoing struggle in human culture, by and the, the way. And then Dad says, it's three minutes and 15 seconds. So it's important because we... And then he says, I haven't been dating much. So yeah. now it's like they're kind of on an even playing field. Right. Where they're both trying to get a date for Saturday night, which is it's a good setup. interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's like something we don't see often, you yeah. know? So good for good for them for laying this out. This is the gambit. This is the ordinary world. And, and then, then we, we have legitimate phone, phone call, call to, to adventure. adventure. I always enjoy when this happens. Me too. Yeah. It's me, Jason Bickler. <laughs> There's a boy calling for Blossom. And Blossom and Six run upstairs to take it in their room. Yeah. This is, again, this is super real. So good. Like, I even just, if you're I wrote a, girl a whole not, thing yeah. about, I'm sorry, but like today's kids will never know this feeling of like getting a call at home from a kid you liked. Yeah. Your parent might pick up. They might still be listening on the phone. You have to send your friend downstairs to make sure the right. father has hung up. You have to. When it rings, make... it could be anyone. You have yeah. no idea. It rings That's the same the for everybody. Yeah. Could you imagine that people at home? Now I feel like they probably just DM each other, Snapchat each other, text each other, just like inject information Jesus. into each other's eyeballs directly or whatever it is that they you do. You might as well have just thrown the word dearie on the end of that old woman. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> they just probably DM each other, deity. There's no middleman anymore. You're just an old woman now. I'm just an old woman. Okay, so... So, Jason uh, invites Blossom on a double date. Fucking success. Yeah, they're going to go to a movie with Ricky and Six. <laughs> my, Ricky favorite and ni- Six. my favorite 90s my uh, favorite front man for hair metal band, Ricky Six. Ricky Six. Uh, and then Blossom and... And uh, six Blossom hangs up the phone. They just start jumping and screaming. They yeah. could not be more pumped. 
cut to the kitchen where dad has been turned down by, for a date. By a woman named Diane that he's known for a long time. And this he is was the sure s- that it was going to work out and then it didn't. Yeah. So this is the special world in which Blossom and dad are both dating. I wrote down, is this going to be her journey or her dad's? Spoiler alert. It's going to be both. Oh. The majority. We're now we're in sort of like the test allies and enemies portion. Did we just become best friends? Bitch, please. <laughs> Dad's been turned down on the phone. He's complaining to Tony, the older son, about how he really thought that they, he had chemistry with this woman and they were just never single at the same time. And now they're both single and he asks her out and she doesn't want to go out. And Tony's like, yeah, I'm just now realizing you're not actually any smarter than I am. Just, just taller. Just taller. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a staggering realization to come to about your parents. At yeah, some it point is. Or it's it like, is. wait a second. Just slightly taller than I am. Not better. We go back to Blossom's room where Six skitters in with some shocking news. Yeah. Change of plans. Uh-oh. They're not going to the movies anymore with these boys tomorrow. Now they're going to a makeup party at Sheila's house. Sheila Osterman, whose parents are never, never home, home, is having a makeout party. Chelsea did was I look, there was making out at parties that I went to. I'd never heard of a makeout party. Oh yeah. Was there? Oh yeah. Were there? This was a thing. Cool. This Here's the thing. thing. I was a chunky young man, uh, not very popular. My hygiene left something to be desired. <laughs> I don't think that I would I would have ever been invited to these things. Any party can be a makeout party if you take the initiative, no, right? Straight up. You so just I need th- one ingredient. Making, <laughs> making out. out. There was a moment in time, and I remember it clearly, it was the eighth grade, uh-huh. when parties went from being single sex to co-ed. So sure. parties were, single, were co-ed when we were little, and then they became single sex mm-hmm. for a number of years. Sure. And then they became co-ed again. And that was when makeout parties started sure. happening. Right. And so I think the big difference between makeout parties and regular co-ed parties was parental involvement. But there was also an aspect of like, when you're 12 or 13 or 14, why would you go to a party with boys and girls if not to make out? Like, what else do you do uh, with talk, members? Of- no. Drink? Punch? Nope. Fucking talk so, about schoolwork and what so teachers are nerds. In my experience, a single sex party, like a, a sleepover party or a swimming party or something. Swimming party. That was one thing. That was like the rules of that were established. Sure. And anything that if it was happening at a person's house or was happening at the roller rink, wherever it was happening, if there were going to be boys and girls together, the had the separate. potential yeah. to become a makeout party. The rules were separate. The dress code was separate. It was a whole other thing. We'll get into the dress code here in a second. Uh, <laughs> they are nervous about this. Blossom discusses mm-hmm. the difference between getting kiss and premeditated kissing, which right. is a real thing. It's solid. Very real. Um, they discuss the idea of the room, which mm-hmm. is a big makeout room that's yeah. dark and people go in there and make out and perhaps even heavy petting. Uh, this they, is a term, by the way. Do they still use heavy petting God, as a term? Not. Fuck that. What an awful thing to... It, whatever. It's also so unclear because I remember heavy petting being thrown out as like a gateway move to sex and I was like, All I, could, I can't even imagine what... Is it like on the head? Yeah. Is I just like, what is happening? The only thing that I ever associated with uh, heavy petting was okay. So I watched a video one time that was warning about the dangers of sex, and heavy petting was shown as a guy like trying to. It, he was using the same movement you would use to try to summon the future in a crystal ball on this lady's knee, like really polishing it and looking into it for answers to mysteries of of life. And like every time somebody mentions heavy petting, I'm like, oh, do you mean this move on the knee? They're going to get into some heavy petting at this party that just looks like back rubbing, like a it's, lot of back like, rubbing. No, no, no. It's the, it's the rib cage uh, maneuver mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, I'm just not, I just can't quite reach your back. So I better stay here along your side. Yeah. Rib cage where we all know <laughs> boobs are attached. Uh, that's where the boob hinge is. <laughs> Look it up, people. I don't have time to go to the whole anatomy lesson. Boob hinge, uh, the the nipple bevel. Uh, these are all terms that we should all know. And heavy. Pen- Why are you laughing? T- these are anatomical terms. We're breaking oh. the stigma of the boob hinge. If we can't talk about these things in 2020, this is why kids get into trouble. Look, I. The boob hinge is now a thing. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, that, but let's we'll discuss makeout techniques here in a moment, yeah. along with apparel. So. What, I do, what I do like in this scene 
is that Blossom and Six are both nervous. They're mm-hmm. both a little bit like things are changing. This is our first makeout party. Yeah. What we're worried. And then they make a pact to have each other's backs. Doing the buddy system. They for say, if it's, out. yeah, if it's too much for either of us, then we leave together. And I wrote, good job, young women. See, but here's the thing is you need to like develop, you need to like go over the rules. It's like, well, what if I'm making out and I'm cool with it and you want to go? Then you need to like, you know. Right. I need to be like, hey, can I talk to you? And then get out. I, well, I thought it was implied. The idea was that. If it's too much for either of us, we leave no questions asked. Like, even if you're having a good time, if I'm not, That's we leave. usually the buddy system dictates. Yeah. Which um, I think is good. I think when you go into a party situation they haven't been in before, you're not quite sure if you're going to like it, if you're ready for right, it. Right, right, right. Buddy system is good. This is a good thing for it's a good system. people to come up with. It's a so, good system, buddy. <laughs> so we go back to the living room and Blossom just comes right downstairs and lies to her dad. Yeah, they both realize, both Six and Blossom, that if they tell the truth to their parents about where they're going, they're not going to be allowed to go. Yeah, parents will call Sheila Osterman's parents who will say, well, we're not going to be home, as is our want. Right. <laughs> we're never home. We're never home. Cool dad Nick. Says, what movie are you girls going to go see on your double date tomorrow night? This is is actually the most troublesome part of the scene. (laughs) Then Blossom starts throwing out movie titles, and he reveals he's seen everything at the theater. And wants to hear her opinions on it. But he also, she mentions that she's going to see a Woody Allen picture, and then, wait, no, I'm going to see a Mel Gibson picture. Yeah. Things that nobody says anymore. Right. (laughs) She says... Actually, it's a sneak peek. I don't even know the title. Um, so then Cool Dad Nick offers to either drive them to the movie theater or pick them up. But she's got excuses for those things, too. And then she does a real risky gambit of, why so many questions? Dad, do you not trust me? It's like, oof. Yeah, just like is, poke it. That poke that bear. running the gambit. This right. is like threading the needle. And then he says, there's no one in the world I trust more. And I was like, woof, that is... That's some real good sneak parenting right in there. Cause but that's, he's, he's being sincere about it, though. He is. The problem. But, like, that's going to be playing. I'm not saying it's a manipulation tactic. Oh, right. It's, like, good parenting because that's going to be playing in a loop in her head every from now until she tells him the truth. There you go. And that's what happens. So next we go to the Phil Donahue show. What? Yeah. <laughs> oh, did we not mention that dream sequences, elaborate dream sequences, are a hallmark of the series and Blossom? No wavy lines, no harps. Nope. No nothing. We're just in the Phil Donahue set. And uh, Phil Donahue's guest is Blossom, who has been lying to her father. And Phil Donahue says, how does it feel to be the scum of the earth? Yeah. They could have gone just like generic talk show set. But they got fucking Phil. They got real Phil. As with in the pilot, they got Felicia Rashad to come be the mom. Felicia real shot. (laughs) Same thing. No wavy lines, nothing. Like, that's just the way dream sequences happen in Blossom. Yeah. And the specificity of the guest stars makes it so much better. I'm, I'm into this. This is pretty... Pretty in- incredible. I do see six in the audience ahead of time because she is ducking down, like with her hat covering her. Right. It's very funny. Anyway, so it's this whole talk show. Joey calls in and says that he's shocked, and then asked Phil Donahue for Madonna's number. Yeah, the crowd's booing her. Yeah, six is in the audience and says that she's also shocked. And then we have a live TV interview with Dad, who starts crying and yeah says, "I no longer have a daughter." Yeah, he's devastated, and Blossom keeps trying to talk her way out of it. She says, I didn't mean to lie, and like the the crowd's not having it. And then Blossom wakes up, because as Biggie Smalls once said, it was all a dream. <laughs> she starts repeating, give me one more chance, I won't lie again, I won't lie again, I won't lie again, and she wakes herself up in her bed, saying, I yeah. won't lie again. And then she Just, goes, oh boy. Oh boy is right. Uh, but this isn't the end of the act. Uh, we have a couple extra little scenes here, which makes it a little... Weird, because that's where the, the act should end. Right. That should be the, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I've decided to do a thing, and it's not working out. Yeah. Nope. Go to the kitchen. Uh, in being grounded, Joey has discovered condoms in Dex's dead sock drawer. Right. In case you uh, wondered if Joey's still grounded, if yeah. we're going to bring that back up. and or also if Cool Dead Nick is having sex right. these days. We're going to remind you that Cool Dead Nick is also dating. Yep. Oh, and here we go. Yeah. Blossom comes in ready for the party in uh, what Tony immediately identifies as makeout clothes. Which I think she looks like a 15-year-old Pentecostal accountant. But She looks like somebody who's like, is this what business people (laughs) dress like? Okay. What we have here is a romper that is green and white. Mm -hmm. It is like a, not even like a romper. Like you're picturing a romper that has shorts that are cut off. It was more of like a sundress than anything. No. There, it is separated 
around her legs, but it oh. is like pantaloons, like right above the knee. Jesus. Puffy pantaloon, old fashioned. Like, imagine a Victorian woman wear, riding a bicycle. What she's wearing under her skirt is what Blossom is wearing. Yeah, that's solid. And bloomers. And a turtleneck under this. Yeah. That's... And a tweed blazer over all of it. It, that, it just looks like. It's insane looking. I've got three things to go to. Uh, a lecture where I'll need that. <laughs> right. uh, I do need to do my Victorian cosplay, but I'm also the CEO of a major network, so right. I'll need this blazers. It I looks, lived through this period in time. And yo, not I. I it, the, the worst thing it's, on this outfit is the chunky brooch she's got going on. Yeah, she's got a brooch. There's a huge clip in her hair. like a Not like a cute butterfly style. It's clip. not great. Just like a clip... That your 15-year-old Pentecostal account would wear. It yeah. is the weirdest ensemble. What you do is you, you throw on a, a tight turtleneck sweater, and then you're ready to make out, and you could say, oh, it's turtleneck. You can make out of what? I mean, this is... I also... So Tony sits down, and she sits down with Tony, and she's like, uh, I'm just going to the movies. And he says, those look like make-out clothes, which making out happens in the movies, Tony. But <clears throat> I... He's been on drugs. He doesn't know. He's, he says... In his day, they used to call a turtleneck a hide a hickey dicky, which is, I just, like, if it was a low-cut, tight dress, you'd have something to say about that, too, wouldn't you? Like, she kind of yeah. can't win for losing. She's You're too covered up to be making out. Yeah. You're not covered up enough, you're going to make out. It's just, Exactly. Yeah. It's like, whatever she's wearing, he's going to be like, you're going to go make out, aren't you? Women. And I was like, I never wore a turtleneck to a make-out party. Like, it's not worth it, you it know? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Both the Madonna and the whore can go to a makeup party. It's it's the weirdest ensemble, and I don't know why you look at that and you're like, this kid's trying to be sexy. That's weird. How? It's so weird. Yeah, this is not... That's not... That's not... And also... And then Six comes over wearing a turtleneck under a crocheted top. Straight up. And they feel like creeps, and they leave having lied to their dad one more time. Yeah. And he's like, I'll be here waiting by the phone, and I give you that extra money. And they leave, and they're like, we suck. Let's go! Yeah, let's party! Cut to the party at Sheila's house, where once again, teens are dancing to no music, and it's super awkward. I mean, there's music being played yeah. over, but you can tell when they shot it, there was no music, and everyone's dancing to a different beat in their head, and it's so awkward. Yeah, and Blossom says, this music is great. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. And also, I think this is on purpose. I think this is pointed. Most of these kids, all of these kids, look a few years older than Blossom well, that's at six. Fair. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that's on purpose. I think so, too. They're, they're talking about this is the first time they've ever gone to one yeah. of these, so and it seems to be like... Because of their dates, they are in this whole right, thing. They got invited. So it's like they're sophomores surrounded by seniors or something that, yeah. you know, nowadays that those two years make no difference. But at that right. time, that's a big jump. Yeah. We, we also assume that uh, these two dates are also the, the talking about. Yeah. Talking about going, you know, needing rides and things like that. And oh, let's talk about who this fucking uh, Jason Bickler is played yeah, by. Yeah, let's talk about it. Jason Bickler, Blossom's Date, is played by Johnny Galecki. In the only role he'll be in Blossom <laughs> ever. Um, Johnny Galecki, of course, we've just recently talked about because he was on Roseanne. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, they appeared... Both Maya Bialik and Johnny Galecki appear together on The Big Bang Theory. Oh, sure, of course. Uh, they were both 14 when they shot this, or 14 or 15. It sure. was both of their first on-screen kiss. It was Maya Bialik's first real-life kiss. Th they would later recreate this kiss during an appearance on Conan with the cast of The Big Bang Theory in 2016. Weird. I have a clip of it. They played the clip. Conan played the clip. Oh, sure. And then they, like, kissed. And it's kind of cute. The audience goes cute. berserk. Um, of course. It's a cute video. But Gotta yeah. Get what they want. It's funny that, you know, they're only 14, well, I guess, actors in Hollywood. And so. Uh, Chelsea, do I have to say that there's definitely some Johnny Galecki Blossom fan fiction online? Oh. I didn't look it up, but there definitely that. is. There definitely is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is their first appearance together. And then they'll be back together starting on the fourth season of The Big Bang Theory in 2017. Jeez, I mean, Louise. in 2007. That's her date. I didn't even bother to look up the name of Six's date. It doesn't matter. His name is Ryan. Uh, he isn't uh, played by anybody who did it. Oh, he played um, young Peter Pan in the movie Hook. Oh, 
All right, that's so fine. There you go. So they, as soon as they walk in with their dates, they're like, this looks like a regular party. But almost as soon as those words are out of their mouths, the music shifts, the lights go down, and everyone starts making out. Yeah. Uh, so the girls rush off to the bathroom because they're both kind of freaking out. And this is a weird little scene. I think we're just establishing the bathroom here. They're like, I'm nervous. Me too. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I liked this scene because I think that there's... There's a difference between being like, I'm ready for this from the comfort of your home. Sure. And then getting to the place and being like, okay, I need it. Am I ready for this? Am I ready for this? So they run off to the bathroom and Six says, why is this so scary? She's like wiping her palms off with a towel. Her palms are sweating. And Blossom says, because we're in a different league. No more kid stuff. No one's going to drag up board games or toast marshmallows. Are we ready for this? And then they're like, yes. I I really like this exchange I just like the way a lot of stuff is handled in this episode. I like the idea of checking in with yourself and not just going through with something because you you thought it was a good idea yesterday or you thought it was a good idea in theory, but getting to a place and being like, okay, I need to recheck in. Are you still okay? I'm still okay. Let's continue like, to do this thing we decided we were going to do. Right. I think that's great. Um, they come out of the bathroom and discover... The room. The room where they they can... um, Girls are crying out for chapstick and turtlenecks from inside. And a young man exits the room. And do you know who this is? No. This young man who's credited as boy who says, you want anything, Sheila? And Sheila says, give me a turtleneck. That boy is played by Tobey Maguire. Really? Yes, third ever role. Tobey Maguire is boy. Oh my god, episode. I have to go back and go look back at and it watch again. It. He has the floppiest of hair. Oh my god. He's at an really awkward height and stuff. There is no telling if he is part of the Leonardo DiCaprio's pussy posse yet. Not yet. It's too soon. It's too soon. Yeah. But soon he will be. And wow. he'll be making out with real Sheila's all over the place. Oh my God. Watch out, Hollywood. Toby You're all going to need sweaters. The guest stars in this episode Phil Donahue, Toby yep. McGuire, uh-huh. Joey Lawrence. Johnny Galecki, <laughs> Joey <laughs> That kid who played young Peter Pan. It's yeah, a lot happening it's a here. Smorgasbord. So the guys the, come back. The guys come back. Yeah, and they say, "Do you want to sit down?" And Blossom establishes firm boundaries. She says, "No, we are not going into the room. If you think we're going in there," and they're like, "No, no, no." I just want to. We, we just can make sit out down. here, dummy. Which again, I'm drawing a line in the sand. We're not going into that room. Yeah. And they're like, "Okay, let's dance." You know. I would feel better about it if she's like, "I don't feel ready to go in there." Instead, it's like, "I'm panicking and I don't want to do this," yeah. which is fine. I just like that she establishes boundaries and they respect them. Right. I, you know, I, I think it's a good exchange. Sure. Um, back at the Russo house, cool dad Nick's co-worker, Diane, the one who turned him down for a date on the phone, stops by on a flimsy excuse uh, yeah. to see him. And they start making out of like 10 seconds. Yeah. And then Joey, who's grounded, comes downstairs because the Nintendo's broken. And let me tell you something. This is the worst. <laughs> if you are a person who clearly walks in the, the first time. The first time I saw a boob hinge in my life, <laughs> uh, I was uh, with my then girlfriend, uh, what was I, 16, something like that, uh, and we were, we'd been, it was like the first time things are happening, and legit, every member of my family fucking rolled through. <laughs> Finally, my mom, who who came up to the door and like knocked on it, and I was like, what? And she's like... You know we don't keep doors closed when there are women with us. I'm uh, like, oh, uh, bugging hell. Boob hinge. There was a boob right there, Bob. <laughs> there was a boob right there. Um, anyway. Should have gone to the room. Should have gone to the room. I thought I had. So <laughs> the, she comes by. They make out. Uh, Joey comes downstairs and says, whoa, a chick. Yeah. And then he sits his catchphrase, bet- lest we forget. them on the couch. Dude, and here's the thing, Mr. Russo. I understand that you are trying to be a good parent. Lift the grounding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got one night. Go do whatever the fuck you want away from here. Right. Get yo's, Mr. (laughs) Joey's grounded. Joey's grounded. And so they decide they're going to go to Diane's house. But then he's like, oh, no, my kid's at a party. I have to stay here in case she calls, which is a pre-cell phone reality. Yeah. But part of me is like, also, it's your house. Tell Joey's not allowed to come downstairs. Go back upstairs and look at your broken Nintendo. (laughs) Don't fucking care. Diane thinks it's sweet that he wants to stay home in case Blossom calls. They kiss goodbye. And she says, call me. And Joey uh, just lurks real hard with his pro. Mullet. Straight lurking. Now we've done all this and we're going to approach the inmost cave back at the makeout party. I may not come out alive, but I'm going in there. 
I feel like it's important to tell you there are 40 couches in this house. There are a lot of couches. There are nothing but couches just arranged haphazardly as though Sheila has gone to the thrift store and just bought a dozen couches and plopped them down all over the room. So Six is sitting on a couch with her date, hugging while he rubs her back. No one has told Uh, her yet uh, that making out involves lips. He's rubbing her side. There's no lips involved is my big thing. Dude, here's... Look, Chelsea, I know you're old-fashioned, but you do not need to kiss a woman to, to feel a boob. Sure. These two things Fine. don't happen to have, have to happen at the same time. Fine. Miles, it's, we it's will talk later. It's weird-looking. It's weird-looking to but me. But it is just, it's, look, it's legitimately, it's just the rubbing the hand up and down on the side, and then, like... See, uh, I feel like I saw middle of the back. I feel like I saw something different that didn't like make rib, sense It was to definitely me. rib cage. Look, see what the, look, if you are a kid and you don't understand the let's just go for it thing or you're not dating somebody, you're trying to figure out where the boundaries are, you want to do like a quick graze of the boob hinge and be like, what's the reaction here? Uh-huh. Did we get like a, test. hey, that hinge is for my future husband only. <laughs> or is it like, well, that wasn't so bad. And then you sort of like, you know, like... You, you gotta, you gotta like infiltrate the boob zone. But I feel like the boob, yeah, boob, boob hinge kit. is after kissing. I feel like the going in. I mean, at oh, least no, in the, the this blossom. Dude's, this dude, this dude's throwing the playbook out the window. Well, because in the blossom, uh, what's about to happen with blossom is they're gonna kiss her room roughly six feet apart. Yeah. And I feel like that's the normal move. But I feel and like... And then you inch closer and closer together on I, the couch. But we've also... They're wearing turtlenecks because they both expect to get hickeys, which yeah. is just lips on neck contact. So there's no telling. I know what Maybe is. they've... All right, you know, I'm just I'm going through it. You know what a boob hinge was. And no, the I didn't. As the I, only person in this room with boobs, I feel like I I've thought, really let my side down. Yeah, I really thought you liked medical shows and Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> the book Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Boob Anatomy. <laughs> That's me shooting in the air like a happy Texan. There it is. Boob grazed anatomy. There Boob grazed anatomy. <laughs> uh, so I'm my guess in this scene is when you see people like this, it's they've already made out. They've gotten into the neck kissing portion of it. All right. Which is prime boob hinge grazing time. Sure. So that let's is, assume that Six and her date have already made out kisses with lips. And then now we've moved on to boob hinging. Boob hinging. Blossom and her date sit down. Moment of truth. He puts his arm around her. She oh, moves away. He says, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then there's a short dream sequence, just like a two-line dream sequence. So weird. Where his face is replaced with her dad. Well, his whole body. Suddenly, it's her dad it's sitting her dad's next there. to her. And she screams. And she screams. And then he's like, are you all right? And I, again, I'm, I like this because he's not just moving in for the kill. Yeah. And I don't think consent is an operative word at this point. Far this far back in time, we're not talking in terms of teaching people consent, but the mm. idea of like she's he models she models boundaries. He puts his arm around her and then she moves away and she's like, right. No. And then he's like, Are you okay? Yeah. as opposed to just trying to do it again. As opposed to being like, You look all you look like you're you're feeling weird. Yeah. Uh, it, keep it to yourself. Right. Make out with me. <laughs> it feels like a good unhinged. Yeah. Unboop hinged. Let's see if we can Rehinge you. Remember, kids, consent is sexy. Anyway, I like this. I just like that it's happening, sort of like a mutual thing that's happening, and they're yeah. figuring it out step by step. And now we have our supreme ordeal. Yep. Out of my way, beast! Everything boob hinges on this. <laughs> I think that's all the boob hinge jokes I can okay, make. Okay, good. Think that's it. No, I think I feel like more are going to come to you. What? So Blossom goes in for the kiss. Like, she initiates. They're sitting, as I said, about he six does feet a, the apart. The sodas are right over there. Mm-hmm. Let's count shoulders. Yeah. One, two, three, the four. <laughs> Have you seen this? It's pretty It's pretty dope. Yeah, I know. And count then she moves four. away. One, two, three, four. Is that how you do it? No, it's how kids today do it. And I wish I'd had that That's sort of game. count shoulders? Yeah. <laughs> then I count my two and then yours and then yeah, the Yeah, no, one. I get it. But I feel like my... My experience is with the, I'm just stretching. Yeah, that never really worked. You might as well just go for it. Yeah. So he says, the sodas are right over there. And then he points. And then when his arm comes back down from pointing, it's across our shoulders. The audience is like, Ooh. But she moves away. Um, so then the blossom goes in for the kiss. The and blossom. They, they kiss for like 15 seconds. Uh-huh. And then Sheila, the hostess, rushes in and turns up all the lights and Blossom goes, take a hike, Sheila. So (laughs) she's clearly like in control. She's like liking this, you know, it's good. It's a really good 
It's a really good line because in that line, which is a joke, which makes the audience laugh, we get a lot of information. Sure. Like she likes I this. I was nervous about this. Now I'm not. She's in control of it. Yeah, it's great. And then Sheila's like, my parents are home and everyone scatters like roaches. They like yeah. run in all directions. Like, scatter. Um, so now we have reward consequences. And it's usually when we watch these shows, it's it's rewards. This time it's definitely consequences. Ain't nothing but. Sheila's parents are making everyone call their parents, That's which is the worst thing. That is the thing dickest dick move. I have ever heard. Mm-hmm. And you know they have one landline, so these kids are just lined up probably yeah. in the kitchen yep. calling their parents one after another and being like, I'm at a party unsupervised. You have to come pick me up or whatever. No, Dad. My boob hinge is safe. Yeah. Don't worry. I still have it under lock and key. Um, so Blossom and Six are hiding in the bathroom, but soon Sheila's dad finds them and makes them come out. And this is just a brutal nightmare. Like, I can't. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. It's not great. Um, so then we cut to the living room and we are... Yeah. We're right, right into it. Yeah, uh, we're on the road back. Yeah, Dad you know. comes home. Blossom walks in saying, that's not fair. And Dad says, good, that's exactly the way I feel right now. Not fair. Get used to it. Yep. Blossom goes upstairs and Joey's like, well, you yep. know, fucking Blossom messed up for once. And this is where Dad drops a bombshell. He says... Blossom is grounded for six months. Six months. And this the is... audience almost rushes the stage. <laughs> <laughs> there are murmurs and protestations in the audience of, um... Do you know how, six, how long that is for a teenager? Yeah, the this is... So this is the road back, the portion where the hero is pursued by dark forces. Show me the way to go um, the ordinary world is still very much in trouble. Like, we've come through the Supreme Ordeal, but things are not settled. Right. Dad's yelling at Blossom. She's grounded for six months. And Joey says, she kissed a guy. She didn't try to kill him. Yeah. Indicating, and the audience agrees, that the punishment does not seem to fit the crime. Dad looks fucking nuts in this he one, man. He does. Like he he's looks gonna, like he's, he's twitching like he's going to He's explode. throwing these, like, shadow boxing. He is. He's Ugh. so angry. And even dum-dum Joe Bro knows that, Joe like, bro. this is not a, this is not, this, ad, a, this is an outsized reaction much. to what has much, happened. Dad. Um, so Joey goes upstairs and Tony, the older brother, tries to talk some sense into cool dad Nick. And he's like, is it possible you're overreacting? Yeah. Are you mad because she lied or because she went to a makeout party? And are we also supposed to equate some of this frustration with the I was going to make out with a lady and then get a chance no, to? No, I don't think so. I mean, I didn't go there in my mind. Feels like that's a part of it, but they don't confirm it. So we are left... Hanging, as it were. Yeah, I don't. I didn't relate that. I mean, I related I did, to like but, uh, they're both making out on couches at the sure. same time. Yeah, I think that's it. But I, I, it seems as though they're trying to draw a line there somewhere, just because of his fucking crazy. Re- he's he's gone insane. He has straight crazy eyes about yeah catching his daughter at a makeout party. Yeah, and Tony's like, "Are you sure this is?" About the fact that she lied to you. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, of course. It's about her lying. And Tony just looks at him like, you need to get right with Jesus. And his crazy eyes are filled with conflict. (laughs) Crazy conflict. (laughs) So now some time passes and then we actually get to the return of the elixir, heal the community part of the very last part of the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. Cool dead Nick has cooled off some. (laughs) He goes upstairs to Blossom's room where she's sitting on the floor in her romper. We get another good look at that. Yeah. Um, and he <laughs> yeah. says, I think we need to talk. And she's like, I can take the grounding, but if you keep looking at me, like I let you down, then I'm going to cry. So he sits with his back to her. So she can't see his sure. face. This is kind of cute, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's like, okay, I think I figured out that six months is too long. I'm not sure what's fair yet, but it'll be less than six months, but I need more time yeah. to think about it, which seems like a, there. And he, um, is, he says, I am disappointed that you lied to me. And she yeah. she asks, and this is what comes up a lot on these very special episodes. She's like, how old were you when you went to your first makeout party, Dad? And he says, that's not important, and times have changed. Right. And she says, what would have happened if I had been honest and told you where I wanted to go? And he was like, I wouldn't have let you go there. Solid. Best line of the episode is, yeah. you want me to tell you the truth, but if I do, I won't get out of the house until I'm 30. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'd be happy with that. And she says, and I'd be miserable. Yeah. So what are we going to do? Like, you don't want me to date. I'm going to have to date. I have to do, she says, I I have to go to those parties and go through all the stuff the teenagers have to go through. And she's not wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, dad says we have something in our relationship. We've never had before doubt. And she says, you know, didn't you lie to your parents when you were a teenager? And he says, yeah, I did. And so then they just sit on her bed 
he's like, is this what we have to look forward to in our relationship? This sort of like doubt and lying. And she's like, maybe. And then it ends like the last episode of Blossom we watched. It ends with a new stasis in the community that isn't necessarily better, but is inevitable. Sure. There's no going back. There's no way to avoid this. It's all about growing up. Yeah, it's not a happy ending. Nothing's been resolved, you know, but it's also totally inevitable. It's the only way it could end. Yeah. I feel like there's a piece missing here. And maybe it's like my 2020 sensibility, but there's a piece missing here of being like, I would rather you be honest with me, even if it makes us both uncomfortable. If you have questions about sex, if you have questions about your body, like if I don't know, I'll find out, you know, Mm. if we don't, have a relationship where you feel like you can be honest with me about what's going on with you. Like it's going to be so much worse. Yeah. So I'm going to put aside my feelings of discomfort and my feelings of awkwardness and hope that you can too. Yeah. And you know, be honest with me. And if I tell you you're too young for something, trust me. Sure. You know, but none of that comes up. No, it really does end it in this. Well, I guess we're at an impasse here and it's, it's a weird, they're kind of having it both ways where it's like, we've changed. There's something new in our relationship, which doesn't happen in sitcoms. Everything has to reset at the end back to, you know, right. first, uh, the, the first point where every episode begins. But at the same time, not having a resolution here keeps it open. So I understand what you're saying. They should have, they should learn more and there's an opportunity to learn more, but they are having it both ways where it's like, wow, our relationship is forever changed. But if we don't set new rules for it, I guess we'll just have to keep going on like we always do. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it leaves it open-ended for the next episode for something else to come up. But I also feel like the missed opportunity isn't just in like, you know, some revolutionary new kind of television, but it's also back to the uh, original discussion. This is a very specific relationship and it would be good to actually land a lesson in here for like a father daughter like you know we we've we're really exploring these it's the early 90s what do you think we should do here yeah i think that that's a it's definitely a missed opportunity but i understand you know why, why. they missed it yeah, yeah. why um, they avoided it it's also uh worth circling back around because i put a pin in it earlier to reminding ourselves when we're watching him fly off the handle Mm -hmm. what the contrasting that with how he grounded Joey for cheating, which was, I mean, there was still some sort of like, uh, like a Bart Simpson style. I'm going to strangle you kind of like cartoonishness, but he was very much like, look, you, you did the crime. Now you're going to do the time. You can't do shit like this. You dumb dumb. I don't remember the amount of time that he gives Joey. It isn't long. It's like a couple of weeks or something. And then, to contrast that with this, where he just is completely unhinged, unboob hinged, and he's like it's six months, and she's screaming at her, and and it's totally about it's because it's about sex, and yeah. it's like you know uh, we we can draw that comparison. Even Joey draws that comparison yeah. for us and underlines it. And then Tony's like, "Are you sure this is about lying?" And it really that should be included in this resolution, but it's not. Yeah, it's there's only the only clue that we get is that he is willing to reduce the sentence. Right. Would you like to know, uh, as a single dad, how to talk to your daughter about sex? Because that's the research I did. (laughs) My single daughter. My single daughter? (laughs) Is she? I'm not a very good dad. I didn't even realize she existed until right now. I'm I'm fine with my daughter figuring shit out. (laughs) I found a, I thought a pretty good article on a site called Fatherly, Mm -hmm. which quotes from uh, this book called Girls, the author of this book called Girls and Sex, Peggy Orenstein. And it's interesting because this, of course, um, assumes like a binary, like a male, female binary. And you're a, a cisgender dad talking to your cisgender daughter. But she says the idea of I'm going to get a gun and lock my daughter away until her 30s is not your job as a parent. Your job as your parent is to guide and nurture your child into a healthy adult. And part of being a healthy adult is having a healthy sense of your sexuality. Hmm. So, but there are two things that stood out to me that I had not heard about in any form before, which I thought were interesting. One is to talk to say that sex is like pizza, not baseball. Uh-huh. So the idea of like the bases 
first base, second base, third yeah. base. Like viewing with the baseball metaphor because that is a time honored analogy. However, it makes girls into the field and the guy is running around on her, which yeah. is like a horrible metaphor. It's like one of one of the entities is completely passive and the other one is trying to see how far it can get, right. you know? And instead she says she quotes sex educator Al Vernaccio for the sex is like pizza theory. And the idea is you're going to have pizza, the two of you, and you discuss what you're going to put on it. You negotiate the pizza. It takes into account everyone's invested in other people's decisions and desires, and you're going to have a shared enjoyable experience. And if you can agree on what you're going to put on the pizza, then you have pizza. And if you can't agree on what the pizza is going to be, then you don't have pizza together. And you can't even really be embarrassed when you talk to your kid about sex when you're using pizza as a metaphor, she says. So like, it's a good sort of like neutral metaphor. And then she says, you can also use a, like a Jedi mind trick if you're nervous about talking to your daughter about sex, which is, um, Oh, I was talking to a guy at work about his teenage daughter and she told him this thing that's going on with oral sex these days Mm. and was asking my advice on how to talk to his daughter. So I was wondering what you would say to him. And so rather than making it about, the two of you and me being like the dad being like, I have all the information. Here's what you should know. It enlists her in the conversation. You're sort of working as partners and like talking about giving advice to a hypothetical other father, daughter, which she says she admits that it sort of feels roundabout, but it can lead to very honest, frank talk. If you're talking about these, it's the old version of like asking for a friend, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, to, to, Bring it all the way back around. When you talk about sex, there's a sort of cognitive dissonance. It's not the right term. There's a better term. But it's this sort of like, would you like to come up and see my etchings? I am Uh giving you a signal without putting myself out for direct rejection. Right. It's that sort of thing. I am offering up a completely neutral situation that has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with me uh, or sex, you know, but but I'm prefacing it in a different way. Yeah. So I like the pizza. I do too. I think that's pretty good. Uh, More importantly, uh, Eli Whitney was born (laughs) uh, December 8th, 1765, died January 8th, 1825, and was most known for... The cotton gin? Was most known for his invention of the cotton gin, which is a cotton engine, a machine that quickly and easily separates cotton fibers from their seeds. Wait, hold on. Is gin short for engine? I think it is. Did we just figure that out? Holy shit. I just thought that was like a weird word I didn't understand. I thought so too. Like, you know, fucking the South. They say all sorts you of say things. You say whatever. Oh, oh, oh. Real quick. We'll get back to Eli Whitney in a second, yeah. which, you know, was really going to bring it home. <laughs> I was wondering why. I said this to my friend Austin recently, and she made so much fun of me <laughs> for a phrase that I know. And then I asked my sister, and she's like, I don't know what that is. And I asked my friend Josh, who's not from the South, so maybe he doesn't know, but he's like, that sounds like some hick shit. I, we were coming up with uh, ideas for a script, mm-hmm. and I was like, my, the thing that I was saying was, why don't we each come up with several ideas? What I said was, let's come up with a couple few pitches. Yeah. Yeah, a couple few dollars. Can you loan me a couple, couple few dollars? Couple few. I got so much shit over no, a couple that's few. that's real. That's real. It's not, though. Sorry. It is. <laughs> Look, I looked it up on Urban Dictionary, and most of the definitions are what you tell an officer when he asks how many drinks you've had. <laughs> <laughs> and the most fitting definition is more than two, less than ten, which is solid. I've 100% said couple few I say before a couple, in my life. Uh, clearly, I say it uh, without even knowing that I was a thing. Anyway, cotton gin, which clearly means the cotton engine, the machine that quickly and easily separates cotton fibers from their seeds, enabling a greater productivity and manual cotton separation. Now, when that cotton gets processed through the gin, uh, it becomes a roll. And the problem is that sometimes that roll can be bulging in some areas, making it difficult to manipulate and store. So they, uh, Eli Whitney also developed the boob hinge. a patent for a plate that applies pressure to the cotton roll and prevents sure. it from bulging. This, this device is called a breast. And Eli Whitney also developed uh, a way for that to be adjustable the breast hinge. Breast hinge. Yeah. Uh, thank God we know that now. 
Good job, Boob Hinge Whitney. Patent US 828438A, uh, Cotton Gin Breast Hinge. I'm just saying, like, I looked up Boob Hinge and nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) And I found something that's actually a breast hinge. And now I feel kind of good about it. But you know what? Whatever. (laughs) I only have a couple few good ideas every year, buddy. Uh, what? How do you feel about this? I mean, I feel like the end of this conversation really goes to the idea of whether or not this can be held up as a, a good example or not of whether to tell your parents the truth or not. But without it landing in a certain area, I don't feel like I can recommend it I, as viewing. I have. I would recommend it for a caveat. I would recommend it for how to approach your first makeout party. Oh. If you're going, not parent-child, but her and six, she and six say, you know, we're going as together. Yeah. If either of us feels like it's too much, we'll leave together. And then they get there and they reevaluate if they both still want to be there. Sure. She establishes firm boundaries with her date, which he respects. Yeah. And then she likes it. Yeah. And I, so, like, <laughs> all of that leads up to, and then they all get in trouble for the lying part. Yeah. But, like, in terms of having an honest conversation with yourself and your friends about whether you're not, whether you're ready to go to a makeout party. Yeah. I would recommend it for that. I, yeah, but I think that even in discussing this right now, it's already out of date. Mm. Like the consensus, consensus, consent issue is there, but it isn't, it isn't nuanced enough for today's kids. That's true. So I think that. There's too many caveats to appropriately say, hey, kids, watch this. It'll teach you the things you need to know. Yeah. And then we'll have an hour-long discussion about where it falls apart. Right. One of the things that this same article about talking to your daughter, daughter about sex, one of the pieces of advice she gives is teach your daughter to, be, to say no and be rude about it. Yeah. And not worry about hurting people's feelings and not worry about in any of the web being perceived. Because I, I feel like there's so much training of like, well, you don't want to be like the person at the party that's, you know, it's like the, the Kirk Cameron and that cocaine thing. You don't want to be a weirdo. You don't want to look like a narc. I feel like there's that about sex, too. Truly. I think that, that uh, so I, I, the season two of Shrill is amazing. And I went back and watched season one. And there's a scene where uh, A.D. Bryant's character is watching a very self-assured large woman mm-hmm. crossing the street. Yeah, I remember and that scene. And A.D. crosses behind her apologizing the entire time after not having been able to cross it right. because she's worried about upsetting the drivers. I really feel as though uh, that in particular, I feel like it would behoove men and women alike to have a day of crossing the street. Where you cross the street and uh, gentlemen understand the polite way to do it. Like you, you, the, the idea being, let's meet in the middle of how to cross the street. Yeah. You teach me not to just run out in the street. <laughs> I teach you that you can tell people to stop. Right. That the crosswalk is your domain first. Yeah. And there is nothing rude about asserting yourself in that way. We watched uh, Miss Americana last night, the Taylor Swift documentary that came out on Netflix yesterday. Sure. How many times have I watched it now? Uh, it's fucking great. Yeah. And the the very end of it, she's talking like she's saying something super political and super feminist. And then she reactively apologizes and she's like, I'm sorry, that was a real soapbox thing. And then she catches herself and yeah. she's like, why did I apologize? What for being too loud in my own house that I bought with my money that yeah. I made from my songs that I wrote about my life? Why would I apologize? Why do I do that? And it's just such a great moment. Cause like when she apologizes, I at least didn't even register it. Cause that's such a not. common thing. And when it's just your sort of like polite conversation or even you're crossing the street, then the consequences are one thing. But when you're talking about like your own body and feeling like you're not in control at yeah. a makeout party or whatever, you're not allowed to be rude. You're not allowed to like enforce boundaries. Then it's like becomes the, the consequences of not being able to be rude, quote unquote rude, become sky high. Absolutely. And I really feel like as much as we try to don't, don't take this the wrong way. I'm, I'm more or less. I've okay. already taken it the wrong way. Well, apologize to me for taking it the wrong way. Okay. I feel as much as we attack toxic masculinity, I feel like we need to also work against this idea that women don't have the right to be assertive in that way. Of course. And I feel like that second one is really getting left behind and has an 
not equally like as far as like how much it's fucking up the world, but like has equally negative uh, consequences. I feel like yeah, it definitely has negative consequences. I mean, and it's it's a tool. It's a tool that's both toxic masculinity and a sense of politeness and lack of of assertiveness in women is also it's all used as a tool to yeah well it's it's internalized misogyny one is externalized misogyny and the other is internalized misogyny absolutely it's like self-censorship Mm self-policing which is it's just yeah it's internalized toxic masculinity they're two sides of the same coin sure yep for sure i'm glad we uh we fixed all of this we got there so Um, yeah uh, who did you want to hug uh diane because she gets up the nerve to go over after 10 years and like start this thing and then cruddy mulleted crud yeah, comes crud downstairs heap. and leers at her and then asks her if she knows how to fix a Nintendo. Jesus, what the ruins fuck? Ruins her date. You dumb dummy. I agree. I would also hug Diane and say, I love you, Sue Alamishki, the to heiress her to the O. Henry pinch. fortune. <laughs> Maybe. Try to her Only after a discussion about pizza. Good. Do you know how to fix a Nintendo? By which I mean... Can I touch him? <laughs> My winch, I mean, y'all fuck Dracula? <laughs> y'all fuck Dracula? <laughs> Say it forever. <laughs> what did you learn? Um, what did I learn? I learned um, I learned the the intricacies of a makeout party, because apparently I missed that <laughs> education growing up. Uh, what did you learn, Chelsea? I like the pizza sex metaphor. Uh, I thought you were going to learn you learned that the boob hinge exists. I guess I learned a little bit. We learned, we both learned that cotton gin means cotton engine. I think it does. Now, hold so on too. before we uh, run away with this. No, I don't. What, who's going to call us out? Cotton gin mean. Old Opie Whitney, <laughs> the heir to the opioid gin. Whitney. Opioid. It does. Yay. Cotton gin means cotton engine. We did it. Yep. Okay, well, now you all learned something too about boob yeah. hinges, breast hinges, cotton engines, pizza sex. Yep. Let's talk about <laughs> sex pizza. Goodbye forever. Free <laughs> sex. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks.